All right. So that's what's up, ladies and gentlemen. It's your man, DJ Mr. Chris, with another fresh dope episode of Hip Hop Calypse. Man, oh man. So I told y'all, I, I told y'all what time it was. You know, I say this every episode because I can't get enough of myself. I'm only messing with y'all, but <laughs> real talk. So today I have a, a special guest and I'm very, very happy uh, to, to have on the show. Uh, she is the author of a book called I Am Her, which is an acronym that I will let her explain. So ladies and gentlemen, today's guest on Hip Hop Calypse, I have Dr. Pamela Gurley on the show. Doctor, how you doing today? I am phenomenal. How are you? Oh, you know what? Every day is a every day is a holiday, except for when you don't when, when you don't get any sleep. I, I didn't sleep too well last night. <laughs> so, you have to you have to make up for it tonight then. Just go yeah, to bed yeah, a little bit early. Yeah, yeah. Go go a little bit. Go <laughs> go to bed a little bit earlier and and don't eat or drink things that I shouldn't be drinking. So uh at that time of night that's gonna keep you up. So um Thank you, Pepsi, for keeping me up. So, <laughs> so, doctor, thank you so much again for being on the show. Really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. I'm, right. I'm looking forward to this. I've been looking forward to this. That's what's up. That's what's up. Okay, so we're going to hop right into it. I am not a stereotype. That's the first statement that is on the cover of your book called I Am Her. Why don't you let the listeners know a little bit about I am her and what that acronym means. And what we'll do is after that, doctor, we'll go back to a little bit about your roots because you do have an interesting story. So why don't you explain to the listeners a little bit about I am her. So um, it, I am not a stereotype. I am H E R derived from a poem that I wrote. That's called, I am not a stereotype. <laughs> I am H E R and H E R is a derivative of different characteristics that I feel that match me. So it's resilient, it's energetic, it's, you know, rhapsodic, it's, you know, just, you know, but all of them had H-E's and R's. It's a very, you know, not long, but extensive, very descriptive poem of how I describe myself. And basically it's how the world has looked at me and how I chose to look at myself. And so I felt the need to write a book from that poem because a, a lot of stereotypes are out there about black women. And I just felt like, you know what? I'm kind of fed up. I feel like that narrative needs to change and that there are some dynamic and brilliant and remarkable black women out here who do, who do not deserve these stereotypes. So that was the point behind my book. Okay. And so before we get into those stereotypes, because that's very interesting, because as a black man, um, I have a lot of stereotypes about black women. Uh, some of them could be seen as derogatory, according, you know, to um, my girlfriend, but we could touch touch base on it. So uh, tell the listeners a little bit about your beginnings, because I, I do want to get into those stereotypes. So tell the listeners a little bit about your beginnings. Okay, so I am... Uh multi-ethnic i'm mexican indian and black i mean my hair is curly mm -hmm. and so a good bit of growing up has always been what are you mixed with and i don't feel as though you should have to make a choice because i've always been oh you're not really black enough you don't act black you don't speak black you talk like you're white and to me I'm just being me. And so I allowed those things to fester because I'd never really, 
I, on, on one hand, I never said I cared about it. But on the other hand, as growing up, yes, it does affect you and how the world shapes you. And it didn't shape me in a way that I thought was good for me. And it led me down a very toxic road of looking and trying to find myself and find who I am and find where I belong. Because naturally, socialization makes us feel like we need to belong. And when in fact, it doesn't really teach us how to belong, but how to stay ourselves. So and how to stay true to ourselves. So did you grow up in an urban area? Where What was your upbringing like? Was it suburban, <laughs> urban? Rural <laughs> military brat, and mm -hmm. so I grew up between Georgia and Washington, D.C. after I was five, and we came back from Hawaii. So, from 18 months to five years old, was in Hawaii. So, it's a lot of beach. There's I don't really recall any, um, any differences that I would have noticed. I have friends that was at parties of all nationalities, but here again, we were all military families. When I got back to, to the mainland, as they say. It was just different. I was looked at different. I was regarded different, except mm. for when I was at home. I felt comfortable at home because my sisters and I are all very much alike. We like a multitude of music. Uh, my mom poured into us to allow us to be whatever we wanted to be and like whatever we wanted to like. And so from music to television, to books, to magazines, you know, it was very cultural, multicultural. And so, but but a lot of people don't look at it like that. Okay. Not when I was growing up. Okay. And so, and, and I know that your time is limited, so we're just going to hop right into it. So I am her, uh, your, your multi, uh, your multi-ethnic, um, mm -hmm. as you explained, but was that, was that written? I'm more than sure it wasn't written from a multi-ethnic viewpoint. It was written more from a black lady's standpoint of view, because looking at you at first glance, and I'm more than sure that 99.9% .9 of anyone who looks at you, they're going to associate you with a black lady. And so uh, what was, what was the, so you already told me the inspiration, but what was the straw that broke the camel's back to say, I need to come out with this book here so we can address some of the stereotypes? Uh, so I have nieces that are both biracial and then on a multitude of spectrum of colors. And especially for my uh, biracial nieces, I didn't want them to feel like they have to choose between black and white. You or liking black things versus white things. And I, I battled with that. You know, I battled with trying to figure out what am I supposed to like, you know, because they I was told I don't act black enough because I don't just listen to or subscribe to black music or black movies. And there, there's still a lot of black movies I haven't seen, not by just because that's not been things that I typically like. And I feel like I should be able to like what I like without being considered, without having my quote unquote race car taken. <laughs> um, or have, have, have you, <laughs> have you have family members take your race card away? Because I mean, you're very articulate, no. you're, you're, you know, you're definitely very articulate and, um, you know, by li by listening to you on the telephone, I wouldn't I wouldn't think that you were a black lady. So, I know. I, I, which I guess is more, which is um, one of the stereotypes that we can jump into. And so, um, so you have a prominent position, and you, you don't have to. I know that is very top secret and everything and such. But what's your educational background? I have uh, a bachelor's in psychology, a master's in health service administration, and I have my doctorate in management. And I also am an adjunct professor at times. I took, I'm on a break right now, but yeah. Okay. And so uh, what thrusted and what propelled you to achieve all of those uh, 
all of those degrees and uh, get the accolades that you you received? Because at the time, if I have to be honest with myself, it was the only one thing that uh, I, I knew I wanted. I knew that that was in me. I knew how to excel in that way. But on the inside, I was very dirty, very toxic, very just not really feeling good about myself. So no matter how many um, milestones that I've achieved in my in my life during that time frame or that time period in my life, it never made me feel whole because what I sought was validation for myself. And it took a long time for me to get that. Uh, and that's why I, that's what made me really write my book is that, you know, we need to get out of trying to box people in and just be unapologetic, unapologetically who you are, no matter what. You know, um, in, in a sense, we do, it's okay to be unapologetic with who we are as far as with the acceptance. Um, and so when I had, when I had read that, it kind of made me feel like, okay, if I were a woman looking at the book, um, I am going to get some female empowerment. I am going to, I'm going to be empowered. I'm going to be inspired. And so, uh, someone that's looking at your book and, um, it seems like it's doing really well, mm -hmm. but, uh, someone that's picking up your book and looking at it for the, for the first time, what are they going to get from the beginning to the end of your book? Um, introspection, self-awareness, a different level of looking at uh, a community of how we treat black women. It's because it's, I cover it from three different segments. There's three parts of my book there. And even though it's, a, it's not a long or lengthy book, it's very conversational. It's like grab a glass of wine, let's sit and have a talk. It's like talking right across the table and hearing my thoughts and my perspective and my journey of how I got, and got here. I was in three domestic violence relationships. I, you know, and what triggered that, I talk about how I came out of that. I talk about my healthy relationship that I've been in for seven years. And then I also talk about, you know, just the natural hair journey that I, that I went through. I talked about, you know, how, you know, I'm not, how women are, black women are not bitter, how we're not angry and how that's not, those natural emotions we're entitled to have without being boxed into something. Because I even put on there, nobody says anything to the, the angry white man who's been angry for centuries, but he's not labeled. But if a black woman is assertive, we're all of a sudden angry because so we're assertive. So, um, uh, so me and, uh, <laughs> me and a few people, we have a good conversation about this. Um, just as of recently, you know, one of the things is, is that, um, well, my first question to you, do you think that the competition level for a black lady is that much different than a white lady or, 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 or just, uh, let's just say job market. Uh, let's just say how the world views a, a black lady. Um, you know, I, th I think I think what Michelle, Michelle Obama did was she she was a poster child for a lot of Americans of what black women should be like. And I, th I really feel that a lot of black women aren't like that. Um, but that's not a diss. That's not a that's not a diss. Um, that's not in a derogatory form. Um so I guess what I'm trying to get at, as far as competing, why do you feel black women, why would a black woman feel that they have to compete? Why would a black woman feel that they have, um, uh, 
that the odds are against them compared to any other racists out there. Okay, so first and foremost, there are a lot of Michelle Obamas out here. A lot, a tremendous amount. I think that society has a way of tearing down or not shining light on women like Michelle Obama. And if you even look at when she was in office, it was always something negative. It was like, oh, you can't do anything right despite how educated she was, how beautiful, you know, beautiful she was. People found a way to have something negative to say, no matter what she did. And so that's a societal issue. That's first and foremost. Second, it is very difficult in the way, you know, in from a competition standpoint. And I don't even think, you know, black women necessarily compete. We just go in for what we realize we deserve and we just don't always get it. Because, you know, and a lot of it has to do with the color of the skin. A lot of it has to do with stereotypes, you know, but I'm, I'm blessed to know a lot of very uh, inspiring women who have paved the way for women like me to see on the other side of those of, of those opportunities to make me you know work even harder for them do you think america is afraid of strong black women oh uh, hell yes let me tell you something i wrote in my book that the reason why black women uh, are looked at or regarded is because we are the most resilient of all races hands down and what black makes, women can find a way and, and, okay i'm sorry about that and so you know, we're talking about resiliency and in what way are we talking about motherhood? Are we talking about um, going out and providing for her family when there isn't a father there in the household? And in what ways? Because I, I think all women, for the most part of it, they have that same ability. And so I'm just trying to figure out what makes black women different. So in my personal opinion, you know, and here's why I wrote about it again Black women can make a way out of no, no way at all. Having the bare minimum, they're going to make sure that their kids have. They're going to, and and a lot of times their kids won't see them suffer. I mean, if you go back and you ask most people who grew up in the 60s and 70s um, or even the early 80s, their parents didn't have a lot, but a lot of kids didn't know because, you know, the, the mother made sure that the kids got, you know, almost everything that they asked for, you know, or did whatever they had to do to make things work for their families. Okay. And uh, my mother, God rest, in, uh, God rest her soul, who passed away, I did see my mother uh, persevere through a lot uh, to be able to provide uh, for us. And so um, you mentioned something, and my apologies that you were in, um, three domestic violent um, relationships and so my apologies for that and quite obviously that's what has made you what that's what propelled you and made you strong stronger into the woman that you are and so let's talk about stereotypes what's one of the main stigmas and the main stereotypes that black women have to endure in 2020 well, we still have that angry stereotype hanging over our heads mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. or that we're bitter. Uh, or and and that- why is that, though? Why, why is that? Because that's been a, that's been a stereotype and a stigma for for years. And I, I, I love I love my sisters. All right. I love my sisters to death. However, though, however, I can kind of see that, you know, intolerance does not make us angry. And I mm-hmm. think that's that. Let me say that first and foremost, assertiveness does not make us angry, but it's how other people, mostly black men, 
who <laughs> feed that stereotype outside of our community versus, you know, trying to figure out how we protect the women in this community. So, so I, I, I want to attribute that first, but I, I give an example in the book that if I'm hanging out with my girlfriends at, at a bar and somebody comes up to me and wants to buy me a drink or wants to have conversations and I, I basically just say, no, thank you. I'm not interested. And they keep pushing. And I might even say, I said, I wasn't interested. And I've been told, well, why are you mad then? And I was just trying to do you a favor. I'm like, okay, so actually who's the really, who's the one that's really getting angry here? Not me, cause I'm, I'm enjoying myself, but, but I'm considered angry or, you know, in, in a negative, I've been called all kinds of names for those things, but that's unfair. That. No, but I'm saying, that. but that, but that's unfair. That's me asserting my position in a very respectful way because I feel like the same energy I give out, I want back, but it's not received that way because somebody else wants to force whatever they want on me. So um, I, I know that you can't speak and this is a rabbit hole that I didn't want to go down, but you know, Hey, listen, this is what it's all about. Um, so you, you, uh, put yourself in that position to where you could uh, be assertive and take a stand. What are, and I know that you can't speak for all of the black women that's out there, but what's your position as far as biracial relationships? You know, you're seeing a black man with a, uh, a white woman. You don't have to answer it if you don't want to. You can I'll answer. It. But no, what's I'm your position <laughs> and what's your stand? Because um, whereas black women could be assertive to where, hey, listen, I want to buy you that drink and you don't let me buy that drink, then there might be a Hispanic or Latina woman over there that might let me buy her drink. And then we're the ones that get called, uh, he sold out or he's a sellout or he's he's whitewashed or this and that. You hear it. And so, I do. I, I mean, so what's your I, views I, I on that? Okay, what's your so views on that? I, I've married black twice. I've married white once. I have a white brother-in-law. I have biracial nieces. Um, to me, quite honestly, love does not have a color. Uh, I feel like that's to, that's whatever somebody's preference is, that's their preference. But my, my, what I will say is my problem is, is when you 100% down your race and say that's the reason why you don't date. That is what I have issues with because to me, it's you're, you're finding excuses for your behavior. No, I, and, and I agree. Um, I do know some friends who has tried to go out there and, you know, date, date sisters, like date nothing but black women and they get shot down. And uh, even some of their family members have told them some of the most nastiest comments and, and everything like that. But uh, interesting perspective. I think we could but shot down is one thing. Okay. So here's the other thing. We, people need to be more introspective about what their expectations are when, it, when they're out there dating, if you're dating with intent, then look intentionally. Don't look because something looks good in the moment. <laughs> and that's what you're going after. Because sometimes a man's comments to a woman can come off very disrespectfully or come off chauvinistically or or any of those things. Women don't just sit here and and, and are straight out rude, not all. Because okay. I know there's some women who could just be in a bad mood and that on that day, but there are some men, I, I'm, I will tell you, there are some men who have no respect for other people's relationships and they still push. There are some men that are, try to, you know, use religion as a basis for things. Um, so there's just, there are so many ways to look at 
dating and relationships and all of those other things. But here again, if, if you're going to be disrespectful to your race, I don't care what race it is, and and say, I'm never going to date because of this, that's, that's you might want to just up your level of, of the quality of woman that you're looking for. Put yourself in a different environment. Okay. Okay. And I can see that. You know what? I'm a, we're going to, you're going to be back. You're definitely going to be back on the show again uh, when you have a little bit more time. So, so for all of the listeners listening, there will be a part two, three, four, and five, because we will go down a rabbit hole on this one. I have a lot, I have a lot more to say about that, but I don't want to beat the dust out of the rug on it. And so we'll, we'll leave it at that for right now, doctor. Uh, so stereotypes, uh, one of the one thing, one of the things that I I have always um, wondered about is fashion, fashion such as hair and nails within, um, which I'm more than sure somewhere it could be in your book. How black women embrace fashion. Is that a, I don't is that I a, I don't necessarily talk address fashion. I do uh, address what you put out there to the world is what our young girls will model. And, and I think that goes from behavior to how you're dressing and the way that you dress things up, the way that you really carry yourself. I I have a whole chapter called natural discomfort because when I went natural, it was a a significant transition for me, but it was more about me than the outside world. But I did recognize that I was treated differently. Okay. How much, how much social influence do you think in, in I'm kind of baiting you into this question. I have to apologize for it, but how much social influence do you believe plays a part into the fashion of a black woman? This is probably separate completely from your book, but um, how much influence socially uh, out in the world, you know, the Instagrams, um, the Instagrams, the Facebook plays an influence on a black woman's fashion, including long hair. So I used to have extremely long hair, like so, so long that most people thought it was weave and fake. And so, <laughs> in particular, I'm, I'm, I'm in particularly talking about the, the. I'm in particularly talking about weaves. So I, that's what I'm saying, and people always used to think and assume that I had a weave when I didn't. I still feel like it goes back to preference. Here again, I will say that if you are wearing weaves because you are trying to fit in to look like everybody else that's a that's a problem that's a self-esteem issue but if you are just saying you know what i want to protect my natural hair i you know i don't like to do my hair then and i know a lot of people who are like that i mean for myself i'm either natural or i'm braided that's that's it (laughs) okay 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 so it's all about preference then it's about preference but it's also about self-esteem and preference. I think that if your if your self-esteem and your self-awareness is high, by all means, go for the gusto. But when you are trying to cover up to make yourself feel better to the world and how the world sees you, that's an issue. Okay. All right. So what are some of the comments that you've received about your book? I'm more than sure that you have some positive feedback from people that's read the book and said, hey, listen, um, I'm a guy and I'm going to read it. But what, what are some of the feedbacks uh, that feedback that you received about the book? I've gotten lots of great feedback from men and women. I know for sure a lot of them have said um, 
that it was great to get to see a, inside of the mind of how, you know, how I thought and giving them ways to rethink about self-awareness and being more respectful. I've gotten conversation starters about sitting on your pedestal and what that actually looks like and mean, uh, because that's my own pedestal philosophy. It's just about, uh, you know, energy and removing toxicity from your life. And that's where you grow into that self-awareness. It, a lot of them have taken a different perspective at the look of natural hair, not realizing, geez, is that what you really go through? But there's just a whole lot of different, you know, feedback that I've gotten on my book that's been really, really, really great. I mean, a matter of fact, I'm because of that, I'm writing a, another book based off of one of the chapters. Okay. Okay. Is there anything in that book that really talks about, um, I'm more sure there is, but it talks about what type of backbone that you have to get within a spouse male or female in there so do you, i'm more sure you have a section with regards to relationship in there i have no real relationship but i think a lot of our relationships that we choose that are important to us have to do with our ourselves okay. and so you have to feel whole and be whole in order to receive whole okay so that's what's up. that's the purpose of my book that, that's what's up that's what's what you know i know that you're you're, you're pressed for time we're we're definitely going to have you back on the show and uh the next time that you have some time this is going it's going to be a knockdown drag out for sure I'm gonna, have some, <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm gonna have some other ladies on here i i kind of get it. i, I kind of get beat beat up a little bit um i kind of get beat up just just a little bit uh, I love all of my I love all of my sisters. I love all I love all people in general. Um, just real quick before I let you go in today's age right now, you know, we're dealing with um, the we're sweeping up the remnants of the whole George Floyd um, uh, racial injustice, um, uh, systemic racism, uh oh, systemic racism, etc. What are some tips? Uh, in your opinion, what do we have to do to keep the resilience up as far as not only a black woman, black man, but as a, as far as a community? What do we have to do as far as a community to be um, to be respected more let's, in our communities? Support one another, stand up for one another and protect one another. Perfect. OK. All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I know I know. Y'all gonna get on DJ Mr. Chris. That's all right. Y'all beat DJ Mr. Chris up quite a bit. I, I got a couple of uh, not so not so nice DMs a couple of times, but I'm more than sure this won't be the exception. Pamela, Doctor Pamela Gurley was on Hip Hopcalypse, y'all. Y'all need to so make sure that y'all go out. Yeah, <laughs> y'all need to go out and go support her. Y'all need to go out support her. Um, buy her book. I am her, Doctor. Where can they find you at? Where can they buy that book at? You can purchase my book on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, and Apple iTunes via ebook, or you can go straight to my website, www.iamdrpgurley.com backslash shop. And you can follow me on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and my YouTube channel at iamdrpgurley. I am Dr. P. Gurley. That's what's up. That's what's cracking, doctor. So, hey, doctor, thank you so much. Thank, thank you so thank much you so for much having for, me. Thank you so much for being on. And hold the line, doctor. I pre really appreciate it. Hold the line. Okay.